Wait, go, go now? Go. If you like sports talk with absolutely spo- no... Sp- if you like sports talk with absolutely no sports talk, then welcome to, to the, the Just Not Sports Podcast. We are rocketing north on Lakeshore Drive, heading to LaSalle Drive exit. Yep, correct, John? We're getting off here at North Avenue. All right. Gareth, and where are we going? We uh, Tonight we have a very special episode. I am in Chicago, and I am heading to Adam's martial arts, self-defense, UFC, whatever sort of class to to get my ass kicked, Joe. That's what's going to happen here. And I'm going to be there to record all of it. It's going to be a fun adventure. Um, <laughs> so, Joe, when Adam originally floated this via text last night, he said, it's really simple. All you need are three things. Or one thing, t-shirt and shorts is mandatory. Yep. Optional are a mouth guard. Yeah. Which I didn't buy. Forgot about that. And the third item was a cup. Was a cup. Which I also didn't buy. Now, as we've discussed (laughs) at length on the pod, via vasectomy and only having one testicle because of cancer, I mean, that stuff is strictly ornamental for me at this point. Yeah, 100%. So I really don't need the cup, but boy, do I wish I'd bought that cup. Yeah, I know. He should have set it up as... um, There's uh, three mandatory As suggested, not optional. Optional is like... Oh, okay. Well, you know, yeah, this is not going to be good. Right. No, no. So that just occurred to me that I forgot to buy those things because I was, I was, I came here. I'm in Chicago because I was on another trip. I was visiting some family. I was in Wisconsin, thought I'd swing by and see the crew on my way back to New York. But, um, so I I wasn't traveling a cup with me. Yeah. I was not prepared. Uh, I am not as brave as you are. We were just talking before heading out and you don't seem nervous at all. But you seem fully aware that you're going to get your ass beat. Well, I, I like an adventure. Uh, I'm open to getting my ass kicked. Uh, I just want to wear the headgear. And I guess a cup, but that ship has sailed yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah, we just get, oh yeah, many, many years ago. Yeah. We just got to let them know to uh, to take it easy a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's where we're heading tonight. This uh, It's a very, very... Cold gonna, night in Chicago. Joe is giving me some. We're trying to get direction. Here. Your phone's locked. Eventually, okay. we're gonna t- we're gonna go through these lights, and we're gonna take a right on North Avenue, which is gonna be up a little ways. So straight here, and then Bing Bong. So eventually, we'll get over. All right. All right. So we're still on North Avenue. We're here. gonna be. I see it up here. I see Fremont up here on the left. Okay. The so only reason. What neighborhood is it? We just passed Second City. Yeah. Um, Main intersection over here is North and Claiborne, which that's where uh, Adam directed us to. This is sort of like, um, man, I don't know. I should probably know this, but uh, sort of like Gold Coast-ish, maybe South Lakeview. Um, I could edit this all out if I double check it and I'm wrong. I've lived here for four years, and I I honestly couldn't really tell you. Okay. But we did go to this Toyota dealership and test drive some cars, so. What'd you get? Did you get anything? We did not purchase a car from them, but the the new Prius is very nice. I... Boy, I would love to drive. I mean, liberal weenie that I am, I would love to drive a Prius wagon. Speaking of medical marijuana, it's Weed Street. Hey, there you go. Not bad. Well timed. Oh my gosh, we're just covering all our bases. So when, when we arrive, I think um, uh, I feel like Adam's just going to be throwing the hammer down in class. He's just going to be just destroying folks. Yeah, he's, he's a very gonna, large man. Look, Ad, if Adam misses the opening segment tonight, that's fine. Uh, he's going to have plenty to say later with his fists 
if not his mouth. Yes. Um, so you will have heard some ambient noise here. A heater, because it's so very cold. Yep, I just dropped uh, a boom pole. Exactly. That's okay. Uh, and now we hang out. Oh, there's the Whole Foods. That's where we're looking to park. Perfect. I think that might be the gym right there. That looks like it. All right, so we have arrived. Uh, we're going to pull in. In the meantime, this the what follows is a quick interview I did with Mike Tunison, or Xmas Ape, as you might know him on Twitter. He is a former writer for Kissing Susie Colbert. He now writes for such sites as Vice, uh, Sports on Earth, a couple others. You'll hear all that. When he is not working as a sports writer, he supplements his income as a mover. That kind of mover, what you're thinking of. He moves people's houses. He comes over. He Two will... men in a truck, baby. Exactly. And so we had a fascinating conversation about his work as a mover, and enjoy that. And when you come back, I will be getting my head kicked in by Adam or be learning how to, like, disarm a knife from somebody or something like that. We'll update you on whatever it is I'm doing. I will not have a cup up. I think this is. I think it might go great. I think you just might find out that you're pretty good at this. That's what I hope happens. I'm a big guy. I ride my bike a lot. Let's hope this leads somewhere good. Then let's just dive right into it. Um, okay. Let me ask you, like. You were a very well-known sports writer, um, and I, I can say as somebody who works in network sports, like when your Peter King column came out every Monday or Tuesday, you know, we would gather around, read it, and have a few laughs. So when that ended to then follow your career from that into life as a mover, how did that happen? Uh, I, I mean, I mean, what was the... Um How'd you get into moving? I guess is what oh. I want to say. <laughs> I was just, uh, I was essentially just looking for like a side gig and I found like a Craigslist post for it. And it seemed I'm, I'm, you know, I, I've, I've done tons of retail jobs in my life and not, not too, not too uh, thrilled with any of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wanted something that, you know, was a sort of a job I could pick up, you know, a couple days a week and not have to like sit behind register or interact with a ton of people. Plus I, you know, I like working out and it's pretty physical labor. So that was always a perk for me. Cool. Um, when I was when I was thinking about this, and I might have been misreading it entirely, so I want you to bat down any of my preconceptions. But I was thinking about like when Dave Cowens took a year off from the NBA and drove a cab, or uh, like Larry David walking around New York City, uh, thinking about like, huh, where will I go if I haven't made it as a comedian? Like, was there a part of you that just wanted to like the aspect of moving that kept you out of the sports world? Like, it's so different. It's so physical. Um, did you, like, sh- is that what you were searching for? Sure. Yeah, no, I, I, it's, it's, it's definitely good to have work that gets you out of sort of the sports media bubble. And, and it's very true. I mean, the, by far, I mean, obviously some of the people I work with like sports, but they don't care about some of like the inside baseball stuff that like sports media people or just media people in general obsess over. So I'm not splitting You're not talking about the new Richard Deitch column on the job. <laughs> yeah, no, they're, they, 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 they're not, they're not too concerned about, you know, who's, 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 you know, covering themselves in glory in sports media. <laughs> right. Um, so you said you, you enjoy the work. I mean, like, tell me, what is it you like about working as a mover? 
Um, uh, part of it, I, I guess, is like access into people's lives that you normally wouldn't get. Not that I'm like trying to be invasive and snooping on people. And obviously uh, there's stuff. Uh, I get it. I live in New York. Any any opportunity we get to go to somebody else's apartment and just judge how they live. You know, my wife and I talk about that. I totally understand that. So, yeah, there's plenty of that. They, you know, there's the fact that you're just you're mobile throughout the day. And I like I yeah, I, I, when I'm. When I'm doing like my sports writing stuff, I'm like I'm at home, stationary, like just completely cloistered. This gives you like, I mean, we're we're generally doing moves within like the DC region, so we're not going too far afield. But it's it's a chance to like be active and moving around both physically and just you know, in general, I guess. Okay, you were for as much as you might like the work and the physical nature of it, and the fact that you're up and moving around, you have written a fair amount about the things about it you don't like what are your pet peeves from people as a mover uh yeah I, i've i've written about you know obviously there there's a good i would say about 60 percent of customers tip mm-hmm. uh so like it obviously it's not as high as you would get in like food service where it's just sort of like part of the culture de rigueur yeah yeah right 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 um, you know, there's, there's, uh, like a lack of pre- like preparation from, I guess people have different expectations of what they expect movers to do. I mean, mm. in terms of like, you know, I've, I've rolled up and people are like, you know, all of their stuff is still in all of their shelves and their furniture, all their clothes is still in their closet. You know, they're expecting us to like pack everything for them. And there are, I think there are some companies that do that, but like, like across the board, it's not really something your movers are supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's that, um, you know, they're just people that have an idea of like how long jobs should take without having any idea of like what goes into it. They've just decided <laughs> right. you show up and they've just decided like my move is going to take three hours. And I'm like, how, how did you come up with that number in your head? You have 12 bedrooms. <laughs> so. Right. All right. Um, you also talked about, uh, besides tipping and packing, I know has come up a lot. Um, what about refreshments that people can offer? Um, you know, I, I, I actually tend to, I mean, I, a fair amount of people will offer like food or drinks and I'll like, I'll take water in general. I, I like, I tend to turn down offers of food because I, I, I think that, and it, for the most part, it is true that it's coming out of your tip and I'd rather just have the cash. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if someone is like, like, Oh, I'm running out to like grab some like lunch or going to the, like the Seven Eleven anyway, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll ask for like water or Gatorade. Okay, so that's a good note for all our listeners to, you know, that is reasonable expectation for your moving crew. I will tell you that, like, so when I was in college, I had a pickup truck and you're always moving a lot in college. And I ended up moving a lot of friends because of my pickup. And then a few years ago, my wife and I moved apartments and we hired movers for the first time. And I still think it's the best money we ever spent. So when you move, do you hire movers? Have you moved in a time in a time since you started working as a mover i have not no actually i've been at my place for 10 years now and why I, I me and my dad moved me in here so yeah i i haven't had i haven't had to i can't actually remember the last time i've actually had to hire movers and no, you're i not guess looking I, to move uh i mean not in the immediate future um but i mean i will i, I could anticipate that i could do it myself now hmm. what's the hardest thing to live like what are when you go into a house or an apartment or whatever what do you mostly move in houses condos what is it 
Uh, it's mostly like condos, townhouses. I mean, we do houses, but I would say that, you know, the condo apartments and townhouses are, are the primary because we're in like a mostly metropolitan area. Right. I'm picturing suburban D.C. and that makes sense. Um, so when you walk in, how do you size up the place? Um, obviously, we're looking for like big, awkward furniture first. Like, you know, where you know, do you have like a huge armoire? Like what is the... Um, I guess in like a condo, our concern, our condo or a townhouse, it's it's more of a concern of like the entr- like the the entryways. Like there might, if you have like a really huge sectional couch, is it going to fit in the elevator? Is it going to make like make it through some like really tight staircase you might have in your townhouse? Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, like when when we're you know when we're first there, we're just sort of we have a process for how we pack things in the truck. So we're trying to like you know, figure out what sequence that is going to, that's going to go with your stuff. How have your spatial relationships gotten since you started this job? Uh, <laughs> well, um, it's, it's, it's a lot more second nature than, you know, trying to like yeah. lift a couch through a door. I don't know. You're not going to make that door guys here. Let me take the hinges <laughs> off. You know, I got this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's probably helped my driving cause I have to drive a box truck through the city. Uh, Look, but other than that, I, I did can't that in my it. PA days, man. That sucks. Yeah, it's not the greatest time in the world. Well, the, I will say this. Sitting in the front of a truck with a, like one of the dudes and just like bullshitting all day, or as I've heard it referred to, grab ass and towel snapping, that can be fun. <laughs> sitting in metro traffic in that box truck is not fun. Yeah, that's a definite downside. And people, people, it's surprising how much like more people cut you off in the truck than just like normally driving around because they're just like, well, he's this big lumbering truck. It's all right if I just like cut directly in front of him. He has to stop. Like, there's no. It, it's as if like it's just mad, like the truck's brakes are magically better somehow. Yeah, I also think the truck would win, uh, just about every time. So. Uh, yeah, that's a. I think that's a fair assessment to make. All right, what's the craziest thing you've ever moved, or like, what's the hardest thing? Um, I'm trying to think of the hardest thing. I mean, I think the heaviest thing is some. Some guy randomly had this really old school like steel um, uh, steel soda machine in his garage, <laughs> and luckily we didn't have to do anything too crazy with it. Uh, it just had to like put it on the bed of a truck. But that thing like weighed like five six hundred pounds. Jesus, it was like yeah. Other than that, yeah, I just uh, like they. There's this like really weird, it, like it, it was something almost like out of Scarface, this like TV stand type of thing that this guy had where it had like a, a full like steel engine inside of it mm-hmm. uh, for like lifting, like somehow like lifting the TV out of it. Uh, it, it was like a uh, like some weird presentation thing where like it would like lift in and out of the stand automatically. And mm-hmm. but the th- it was just like the heaviest object I've. I've ever, and we had to like take it up a couple flights of stairs and through some like odd turns, and it took like five or six guys on it. Other than that, it's just like pianos, armoires. So you do move pianos? That was actually one of my questions. Yeah, we we try. I mean, I think the the company has limited it somewhat because obviously they're a real easy way to get some injured people on the job because yeah. most of them are pretty heavy. Uh, but yeah, I've, we've we've moved. I've moved moved a few of them in my time. So like living in an apartment in New York, a friend of ours was moving, leaving the city. And she called up my wife and she said, so I have a beautiful old piano. It was my mother's as a child. You can have it if you pay to move it. And so we called the piano movers and they were like, oh, yeah, we get that deal all the time. Like that is the standard operating procedure on how people get a piano. It is given to them if they can take care of it. So 
do you do you encounter any of that or you yours more just like large scale moves no they're usually i've 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 encountered that they're mostly they're usually just part of standard moves uh mm. i i mean i have noticed that most of that the vast majority of them seem like they're never used they're like <laughs> i can count another in that tally <laughs> Right. Yeah. Like this, they're just like caked in dust and you have staffs have stuff stacked on top of them. Yeah. That story checks out as I'm looking at our underused piano right now. No, our daughter <laughs> will really love it. Um, it's, I mean, moving is such a high stress time in people's lives and it's sort of like you're meeting them at their worst. Do you encounter that? Um, I, I've, I've, there have been sub, a couple people who've like broke down and cried, but like for the most part, pe- uh, people are like, okay, they're not, I, I, you know, I think they, they know not to like, or they, well, at least they don't want to like show that, show that side to like a stranger. Uh, most people are generally like together. Yeah, I mean, it's more like, it's more the people that like, it's less emotion and then like more like not thinking things through. Like you'll show up at someone's place and they don't know where stuff is going. They're just like sort of stare at you mm-hmm. and be like, uh, well, I haven't really considered this part while you're holding some like insanely heavy, like piece of furniture. Right. Right. No. Yeah. It's not the, you know, as you said, like you didn't want to deal with too many people in real, uh, in retail. Now you're dealing with less people, but at a more, I don't know, fraught time. Yeah. But I mean, been- I have done quite, I've done more than a few divorces and those, those have gotten on, those have, those those do get a little uh those do get a little heated. There was one there was one couple where they were literally fighting over items as we were like trying to carry them out of the house. All right, so which truck are we putting this into? So um that's brutal, but I don't know, it's good material, I suppose. Yeah, no, um, there are def- there are definitely some stories. Any others while we're talking? I mean, Oh, I mean, from the from the same one, uh, it was the same couple. When we got the, uh, I guess the uh, the wife to like her new place, like we were about to settle up the bill, and she just like looks at us and she's like, "This is the end of ten years of tears," and just like breaks down. We're just like, uh, uh okay." I mean, sure. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was. Let's can we uh, can we settle this now? Yeah. Please? So yeah. if you look at the bottom of the invoice, you'll notice that our total <laughs> is. Yeah. Um, so do you still do it? Are you still working part time as a mover? Yeah, I, I, I still work uh, like at least one, if not two days a week. I mean, I, it, this is like the slower season. They, they're 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 generally busier in like the summer months. So I'll try to get maybe like a third or fourth day in the week then. Uh, but yeah, like I, I'm like I guess people, you know, it's nearing the holiday season. People don't want to move as much. Like, uh, you know, students are set where they are for a little while. Right, right. You know, living around Boston, uh, as I did for a few years, like every September 1st was such a shit show. Um, then October 1st, a little less so and things like that. So I see that. Um, was it really like so this is something you've been doing on and off for a while. Are you going to continue to do this? I mean, does the amount of writing work you're doing dictate how much moving you're doing? Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, the like it dictates, uh, you know, how much money I'm making, what days, how much availability I have. I mean, right now, right now during the football, during like NFL season, I have more writing work. So they're like, obviously, I can't work Sundays. Though the company doesn't oddly doesn't try to do as much Sunday work. It's mostly like Fridays and Saturdays are the busiest days, but those are fine with my schedule. Um, But you know, I have I have more time when it's not NFL season. Did you notice that you tweeted about it and talked about moving and your work in that more after 
kissing Susie Colbert was it going on the whole time. And frankly, I just didn't notice, uh, or, uh, which is fair. Um, but I don't know. You seem to, you're writing on it and you're tweeting about it seem to kind of encompass a fuller range of emotions in the last few years, pet peeves, negatives, uh, things like that, which made it really compelling writing, frankly. Um, so yeah, I guess that's my question. Did you write more about this in the last few years? Uh, I think in the the last year at KSK before I stopped, I or before I left, I had not been doing it. Um, I think I took like maybe a year off, so that might have been why. Yep. Uh, but I I think when like like I said, I worked full time uh, in like from like early 2011 to 2012 doing it. And I, I'm sure I tweeted about it a lot then. I mean, it might be a little bit more now. I, I don't really know, but yeah, I mean, I, that's, if there, there was immediate uptake, it's because like the last year I was at KSK, I wasn't doing the moving thing. And then I went back to it obviously when, when I needed to, uh, figure out some income stuff. Yeah. Um, I want to ask one question just totally off this topic, but you like kind of everyone with a Twitter handle have been doing a lot more, political writing and i have to give you credit i've enjoyed some of your hot takes um are you gonna be doing more of that are you going to be pitching political type writing for places like vice sports on earth at all um i mean insofar as they're looking for it i mean uh sports on earth doesn't really try to get too much into like they try to be pretty straight laced other so. outlets i mean oh yeah, that, yeah. You know, i oh potentially other outlets sure um, i mean for the places that i write for they don't they don't strike me as super receptive for that kind of thing but uh, yeah 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 i mean i don't have as i mean i i follow other people on twitter who have like contacts to that but like insofar i haven't really been pitching any political stuff and I'm sort of like, you know, my schedule's kind of full right now, so it might be something I might have to wait till, like, kind of February or March. Well, there's definitely but, an argument to be made, too. Like, I don't know, Homer, I think they've already made some movies about World War II. Like, I think everyone's a political writer right now. Why don't I stick to sports, actually? But, uh, no, your stuff's been really good on it. So that was as much a personal question as anything for a podcast. I've enjoyed it. So uh, Thanks, Dan. I appreciate it. Um all right. Well, that about wraps it up. Uh, any advice you'd want to give people in preparation for their next move before the movers show up or as you're booking the movers, what should people know? Cause my, I always, I've contended that like moving is the worst thing you can do like in the first world. Um, oh, the, oh, the number one thing is like, be honest and accurate about what you have to the movers. Cause yep. I can't, I can't tell you how many times like people really dramatically under report what they have and that like i don't know if they think that's going to save them money but it's actually going to do the opposite because we're going to bring like a smaller truck we're not going to bring as many guys like like maybe just people are being lazy and they haven't really like gone through the, their stuff but like you really need to tell like tell the movers what you have like i've had people who have added like refrigerators right. in the middle of jobs like and they'll have like twice as many boxes and it like it makes your job go longer it's okay. going to cost you money in like a lot of ways what? That brings up something else, though. Like, what do you, what have you learned about people's relationship to their stuff and, like, this physical relationship between people and their belongings from this job? Uh, I, I don't know if there's anything profound. I mean, I, every, like, almost every customer will have the, like, oh, I didn't know I had this much stuff till I had to move it. Right, like, right. Um, but, I mean, I th- I mean, I think that's something that people generally know. People have, like, way too much stuff. And you don't really know it until you have to move all of it. Right. But is, do you ever find that, like, is there an embarrassment around that? 
Um, to some degree. I, th- I mean, I guess if they have like, like if they have like a serious hobby or something, and like mm-hmm. they're, they're feeling insecure about it. But That's like a lot for the of most toy trains, bro. <laughs> Right. Uh, I think we have, I mean, for the, there's like some guilt, I guess, if like, you know, people are wealthy and, you know, you have like movers who are obviously not from a real high socioeconomic class moving your stuff. So you're like trying to like be like, pretend like you're being humble or you feel embarrassed that you have like all these stupid extraneous things. Right. What's the racial demographic of your average moving crew? Uh, the crew, um, I would say, I mean, of the, the employees, it's probably like, like forty percent white to sixty percent non-white, and most of the non-white are black. Mm-hmm. Just curious. Um, I just remember that, like, I worked as a baker for a lot of years uh, before becoming a television producer when I was trying to figure out what to do. And I just remember everybody. There were it was all Brazilians, um, and the three white people on our crew all had English degrees at one point. Myself included. I was like, that says a lot. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, I mean, moving, it, it can draw, it draws from like somewhat diverse backgrounds. I had, there was like a Georgetown student that was working mm. there for a while. And then there, then you get a lot of guys who've been like locked up on like assault charges and a lot of people who aren't like, you know, have, or don't have a lot of money, but you know, like, I mean, and I'm, I'm middle-class, so, you know, it's not like, uh, you know, I feel like it, it can draw from some different backgrounds. It's yeah. just, but it's honest. I mean, it's hard work. It's on, you know, it's an honest day's work. I imagine. Like, do you worry about the physical toll as it goes on? Um, I, I don't know. I haven't, I've, I mean, I've been lucky in some regards. I haven't like had a serious injury or accident, but even like, you know, you would think like you would develop like back problems, but I haven't had, I, you know, I guess I've, I've been smart slash lucky. I haven't felt any, any, uh, any effects of that. All right. So then I guess one final piece of advice what ha, get, tell our listeners how to pick up a heavy piece of furniture from a professional <laughs> um yeah i don't i don't know if i have any special technique except for to like pick up with your legs and don't hunt yourself over i'm not i don't know if i have uh you know i don't have any specific form that i can teach do you wear a moving belt not a belt i i'll depending i'll wear a glove i'll wear the gloves sometimes depending on like how heavy or like we have to like wrap objects in like like in plastic sell, wrap and right in plastic yeah. wrap and like especially in the summer if you're sweating it things can get really slick and you know then i'll then i'll wear gloves um but for, you know, for the most part i don't really wear any kind of like specialized gear some guys wear belts but i don't got it all right so if we're taking notes on this accurate assessment of what you own no matter how guilty it makes you tell the movers up front lift with your legs don't hunch over gloves no belt that about cover it <laughs> and uh you know pay you pack up your clothes and like take your stuff out of your like your furniture like a lot of people just leave all their stuff in their dressers which Oof. like we we can deal with but it just makes it like especially if the, we have to take like a tight turn with your stuff just makes it a little bit more difficult yes and always tip your movers what's a good yes, percentage um yeah i mean like at least like twenty dollars per guy on the crew is like decent like i mean anything above there is obviously up to the discretion and what people are able to do but uh you know that's about the best the best tip i ever got was 150 bucks but that was like a job that a guy his I, or his job was paying for the move so he had you know <laughs> he could right. just like throw down whatever i mean i'm sure his company probably wasn't like why why was this like an additional 400 bucks but 
I was happy to get it. Well, Mike, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you know, anything you've got coming up? I guess you could check out Dumb Football at Vice Sports on Mondays. Um, and, you know, I uh, have the Yard Barker. I do a, a weekly thing for them that posts on Thursday along with the comeback. And I'm, I'm at Sports on Earth throughout the week, so you can check me out there. Yeah, I've, I have been enjoying Dumb Football. So uh, keep up the good work there. And thank you for joining us. Everyone take notes on how to be a better client to your movers. All right, man. Thanks All for right, Mike. Me. Thanks a lot. Let's do it. Let's go in. What's up, man? Hey, cool. Adam, I forgot my cup. So they look to be warming up with some pretty standard CrossFit sort of exercises here at First Step Fitness. But I want to direct your attention, Joe, to this. Come with me here. In the back here, if the front is CrossFit, in the back we have Fight Chicago. And their motto is combat proven, battle tested, continually enhanced. If I'm really going to get the most out of this tonight, I'm going to have to continually enhance what I do here. Like, this can't just be a one-off for me. I'm going to have to really get in the Adam Willard fight school yeah. at some point. Because it also, this is inspired by combat-tested, combat-proven battle-tested fight or the fierce Israeli guerrilla hand-to-hand com- tactics. Uh, there's a lot of fight on the walls here. Yeah. So that's what we're getting into. All right. Now you got to get you got to get warmed up, baby. They got exercises out here. I should warm up a little bit. All right. All right. Good luck, Gareth. Wait, so it's the two of you? Yeah. Hey. What are your names, sir? Todd. Todd and Joel. Joel. And your name? Gareth. Nice to meet you. Thanks, Thanks for coming in. Yeah, no, it's fun. So I had the opportunity recently, thanks to Just Sound Sports, to go up to Marist College and give a participate in a roundtable on gender in sports that was inspired by the More Than Mean video. And I'm the child of academics. I loved being around a college and participating in this sort of stuff. And one of my favorite parts was afterward, uh, Mary Stone, who set up the whole thing, and another one of her colleagues and I were just sitting there talking. You know, as you will after symposia. (laughs) And uh, we got to talking about uh, gender and masculinity through the lens of, uh, let me me rephrase this. Turn of the century, gender and masculinity through the lens of jackass. And this one sociology professor was arguing that jackass inspired basically a lot of what we come to think of now as bro culture and fed into that and through extreme sports and things like that. Now, I disagree wholeheartedly. I think jackass is unfortunately judged by the many imitators that came after it. And jackass actually had a real 
love and camaraderie between those guys. I think if you're going to do a sociological essay on Jackass, the homoeroticism inherent to it would be much more interesting, number one. And number two, frankly, the high art that came out of it. I mean, like, Spike Jones is an Oscar-nominated filmmaker who I think should have won a couple Oscars. Even Dirty Grandpa, or Jackass Bad Grandpa was nominated for an Oscar yeah. for Best Makeup, and deservedly so. That movie ended with Bob Dylan's version of You Ain't Going Nowhere from Greatest Hits 2 as the music cue over the credits. I mean, like, these movies are goofy and ridiculous and lovingly crafted. The problem is not Jackass that fed into this masculine culture. It's all the imitators that came afterward who didn't see the love and camaraderie and skate art and things like that. I say all this to say... That's that's what I was just going to ask. No, no, me coming here to get my butt kicked tonight is wholly following in that tradition. Okay? You know, like, they opened that up to me. So I guess if you could say, what's my distraction this week? It would be to go back and watch some of that old jackass stuff, man. That stuff is legit art. Legit art. And I have laughed harder at jackass than maybe anything in my life save The Simpsons. As far as content art goes. Yeah. So. I love you I love you working in your your distraction here. Yeah, we gotta do a show. I know, I know. You gotta stay alive. Yeah. I'll note that Gareth is Gareth is the only one running on a treadmill right now. He uh, yeah, you're not allowed to touch anything until you sign a waiver. Check, check, right. sign in the back. All right, shall we read this? Yeah. Oh. First Step Fitness that was 2001. 15 years. That's staying power, kids. You're just signing away your all your savings. I acknowledge that by signing this document, I am assuming the risks. Agreeing to indemnify. You're embarrassing me already. Not to sue and release from reliability. Was that? Oh, really? All right. I have stated to my trainer that I am physically able to perform the activities. I have carefully read this agreement. You heard some of that. Let's see. Is there death mentioned anywhere in here? All right, Gareth. I think from here on out, you got to be a, you got to be an active participant in this class, man. Right. You can't be you can't be above the training. I'm not above it. I take part. All right. Phone number for any follow-up interviews. Here. <laughs> email for endorsement deals. I do hope they let Adam come back. This is. It's a good time. I think they won't let you come back. Uh, that's fair. Well, I don't think I can come back unless I participate. <laughs> Gotta start. Please don't hold this against Adam, even though it's his idea. He loves you guys and speaks very well of you frequently. Perfect. And 70, I won't... Wait, 79 and you look like this? Oh, well played, well played. So you are... Introduce yourself, sir. I'm Todd. I'm the middle brother in the gym. So uh, three brothers. Three brothers. Steven, our youngest brother, isn't here today, but... And then Joel is over there with the fake the tattoos. The old guy. So you have yeah. the real tattoos. I have the real... I'm the real deal, yeah. We both have tattoos right, on so our left on arms only. Yeah, my back. Okay, got so it. So just got one it. side. But you went with the black and white route, not color. Yeah. Well, I spent yeah. a lot of time outside, so I didn't want You don't want to fade. fade. I get it. Well played. Very smart so, man. Yeah. So tell me about this gym. I mean, look, 
All joking aside, yeah. established 2001, you've been here 15 years. That is It's, it's a pretty good uh, family business. Yep. Joel kind of took us on his shoulders, which was pretty cool. You know, I was coming out of college and he was already into being a personal trainer. We were all athletes growing up, pretty competitive. Knew that we didn't want business suits or the conventional nine to five, so we decided, hey, let's work from six in the morning until nine at night, because that's way better. That's <laughs> right, way better. I've been through that. It's kind right. of weird. Like, I don't want a desk job. I just want to work till four in the morning right. in an edit room. Right, you know? it's perfect. So, so what do you, it looks like there's more, the front room here, because this is audio, I'll try to describe it, looks to be more of a traditional uh, CrossFit okay, area. So no? we're raw. We're, okay. we're a raw gym. We try and I am pro similar. that trend in gym. So similar to CrossFit um, in, in the looks of it. We are a functional design gym. So what we try to do for people is make... It's smaller than most CrossFit gyms I've been to. Ours? Yeah, yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. But you move a lot of people through on site. We do, and we've got about you know 4,000 square feet if you go, if we have to break things up. And the nice thing is, too, with multiple instructors, if the classes ever get so big, we can split. Joel can take half and do something. I can take half. So there really isn't ever standing around and just waiting like you see a lot in like the little kids practices right, right. where okay it's one repetition in the hour no layup line where you're saying exactly like right we, we want to try to keep everybody moving and and new we don't repeat workouts everything is new every single time yeah. um, okay, so I'm going to interject real quick yeah. one does him using CrossFit liberally offend you I w it's not an offensive term it's it's kind of like it's, a, it's a broad term it is it's point. a broad term because CrossFit's kind of taken over the the big chunk but circuit training isn't new yeah you know I mean circuit training's been around for a long time mm -hmm. it's a dynamic program we're a dynamic gym we just don't solely do CrossFit Joel and I are both certified as CrossFit coaches but we don't. Oh, you said certified ass CrossFit right. coaches. Like, certified. Hey, hey, hey. Just assholes all the I time. Will ask the, I will right. CrossFit dead ass. Right. You know? Right. Okay, so that's the front room. That's not why we're here tonight. Though. Right. We're not here to talk about CrossFit. That's a cult you can join on your own time. Correct. That's Drink not where you can whatever you want. Yeah, 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 exactly. So if we're talking like any good club, tell me about the VIP area back here. What so, is this? So the VIP the is, is more of our. Let's say real life scenario room. Okay? Where we are teaching. That sounds like good content, kids. <laughs> hey, let them in and talk. You know, we're, we're trying to create an opportunity to see where your insecurities are. Whether it's standing up. We have up, all night. Yeah, right. Standing up in boxing or gun disarms, knife disarms, one on one. You know, if you're on the ground, how do you escape? Get up from the ground. Um, Basically, we, we try to make you claustrophobic in the sense of overloading you with information and seeing how you react. Because it's not until you react that we can then see, oh, well, this is where the flaw, this is, and it's like that for training too, right? Yeah. You, you kind of work up the kinetic chain to see where the misfire is. Mm -hmm. So if I go to take a swing at you, do you back up or do you get in your fight stance? Do you fight or do you flight? And some people curl up. Some people are ready for that opportunity. You know, how do you, how, how do you stand when you're giving an interview, right? Are you standing here with both feet? Yeah, so if somebody grabs you from behind, whether they're joking or not, you're going down. So just common knowledge, if you notice throughout this whole time, 
I'm in a position where if somebody pulls me, I'm ready to actually do something if, if, need, if need be. Joe, how would you describe my demeanor during this description of what we're about to do? You are not a fighter. I would describe, I would, I would say you look... wearing vans. <laughs> I would say you look anxious. Um, but, you, but here's the thing, though. That description did succeed in making me... It ratcheted up my anxiety. My anxiety. But 20, like, let's say 10 years ago, somebody may look at you and be like, oh, he knows nothing. Now you could be a black belt in jiu-jitsu and, you know, kind of blend in. Yeah, the, the idea of having the six-foot stock guys who can't wipe their own asses it is not so functional anymore in, in the fitness in terms of functional, like the people that I train. They don't need to bench press 350 right, pounds, right. right? So when we're doing the fight stuff and we're engaging in that scenario, especially in Chicago, you, you have to understand what is happening to you kind of before it occurs. It's like chess. A fight is like chess. If you're, if you're gambling with, okay, what's he going to do now? You've, you've kind you've of missed lost. the boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to be thinking, okay, three, four, five moves that if this person gives me the out, could I stay and fight? Yeah. But my wife and kid are behind me. Right. right? Or my kid is with me. Or some guy gets out of his car with road rage. Do, could I beat the snot out of him? Yeah, probably. But then... What is my kid looking at? What, what happens to my family when I'm not there? So it's not just the physical violence part. It's the psychological part, where if you want to fight me, I could spit in your face, and the first thing you're going to do is wipe that off, and guess what's coming next? A right hand, right? right? So it, it's not about blowing a whistle or calling timeout. This is real-life application, and if, if I hurt you, it's your fault, because I... I try to give the, uh, like a three warning. If you hurt me, it's my fault, and I signed the waiver. Right. So, <laughs> so you, you know, we, we, try to, we try to teach people how to get out of scenarios before they actually have to apply what they know. And you'll see some of this as we go through some of the different knife techniques and the gun techniques that if you can, knock, if you can learn anything out of anything today... I would say getting out of line of the weapon or the punch, learning to get offline mm -hmm. will be one of the most important skills that, that you can pick up. If you remember driver's ed when you were 16, they always taught you to aim high with the car so you're looking above and always leave yourself an out. It's the same thing in self-defense. Not fighting. This isn't, this isn't a sport. So if I get you to the ground and I put you in an arm bar and you start tapping on the street, that, that doesn't mean anything. What if I tap in here, in we're, this back room? So we're, we're all for the partner preservation while we train okay. in here. We teach you how to go through it, but part of understanding the practical application of this stuff is being able to pull your punches and being able to demonstrate I like that you control. just used your, the phrase, pull your punches, in a completely literal sense, not in a figurative... Right. It's not room. often you hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So. I mean, and, and this is also a great stress relief for people who don't, you know, I, well, Adam's been talking about it since I've known him as this is what he loves to do. Well, and if you're generally a passive person, having a little bit of violence isn't such a bad thing. Okay. You know, so you can kind of exhale a little bit. I, I, I would say that I am more of a passive person and I do have a temper. So this is a good exercise for me and I have zero practical fight skills in my life. So you're raw, which is better than having bad habits. So I, I'm habits a lump of clay. Are your reaction? Mold me.
Perfect. Let's do this. Let's go in there. <laughs> Let's go hit some shit. He's got tattoos on his arm. It's almost a full sleeve. Does that make him tough? <laughs> the beauty is I can hear it, but Gareth will hear it. Yeah, today. exactly. <laughs> well aware of that. All right. Shit! This is Adam Just Not Sports, in case you didn't know, regular listener. Martial arts is, and self-defense isn't a, it's not a hobby, right? right? This, is, this is an acquired life skill that, like anything, if you don't keep it sharp, it's going to dull, and the skills eventually water down. The best opportunity I had to study this is when I was hurt, and I couldn't do anything because I would watch everyone move, and you learn how people move, and you see, oh, so when I'm sparring him and I see that head movement, he's generally coming in with a left hand. So, okay, I know your tell. I know your tell. Me and his brother, we both do the same thing. When we're getting ready to kick, we rock back on our heels. And so, that's great. So then, when I see this, that's, that your question was, what do you do? That's when I shoot in to to the inside and try to... Okay, so then, practical application then to, let's say, let's apply it to sports. Boxing, UFC. Those guys are studying their opponents and their tells constantly. Yeah. And you're constantly trying to lose your tells and train them Watching out. Watching where a guy's head goes after yeah. he finishes on a hook. Or, or a, trainer, right, uh, a good trainer should be telling or, him, you're always bobbing your head left yeah. after a hook. Or you're watching a guy go up to people and, and do this pickpocketing. Chances are he's right-handed. So you know that right off the bat. So maybe I try moving him this way. So I'm taking out his right hand and he's got to fight me then with the left hand. So understanding there's a script, right? It's character development. Right? You're you're figuring out, okay, what's this what's this guy gonna do what's to back me? Story? He's a right handed pickpocket. Right. So but but if he's reaching like this, chances are he's telling me or if we're engaged that there's no current weapon right away. Right. In his right side. Right? If I if I see that he's pick and he goes to do this, so then immediately I'm pressing. I'm assuming he's got a weapon. Yep. By the time he's pressed and I'm fighting against him, yeah. And it's it's dirty, right? So I'm at that I'm point you here. take whatever opening you have and go for it. Yeah. The amazing you thing. You end the story. Mm-hmm. The amazing thing about Hagenoff too, or the amazing thing about these guys is they're like you, Adam, are six five. You doesn't make any sense for you to try to go for this when you can do whatever. Right. It is. Yeah. Play your strengths. Yeah. Right. But be aware. Of and so that's the other thing. I so think you don't. Other martial arts, they te- and this is not a knock against other martial arts, except that they often teach the same pattern for everybody. And here, you really have to think your way through it, which after, like, after a long day at work, sometimes I come in here and I'm mentally burned out and I get so frustrated because I'm already like steaming out of my ears and you're doing a stress drill here but I'll tell you what when you leave here even if you feel defeated I go home and the next time you come back I'm like oh that wasn't as and bad we as still correct each other Joel yeah. and I still correct each the, other on things I'm That's like also- turn, turn your hand over I am turning my hand over no you're not but I am I feel like I am you, you turned your hand over there oh I felt nice. that that's yeah. also where I loved your you, I loved your metaphor for like character development and script and things like that it's also where I think you referencing a chess game is perfect because like a, a, a well-played game of chess first of all is combat and every 
there is no two games the same. Every game, every move dictates how the rest of it's going to play out. It's constantly changing. It's not like this is not like the other martial arts where it'll follow this pattern. Like, okay, he moved his pawn, he moved his right hand. I react this way. If he moved his bishop, I the, react this the way. The bigger and, question becomes: Why aren't we teaching a curriculum like this to high school girls? Right? Why aren't we teaching this? to kids in a curriculum where gym isn't even offered in some schools anymore. They, these kids have no outs, there's no discipline in, in the kids, and I feel like having stuff like this in a school, right, mm -hmm. I actually think the violence will decrease amongst students because they're, they're being presented with it. You become desensitized to it. It's like I, I, being able to drink at a younger age. Yeah. You ever find it, um, well, I almost wonder if it would be like mentally exhausting having to be To think like this time? in your da daily that's life, the, yes. The, I would use the language on all the time. Yes, well, it is exhausting. But you're... I'm like, I just walk out my front yeah, door, but I wait. walk out my door, and I'm walking into the bus. Do you think, so you work in video, you guys work in video production, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you think that you look at the world differently with it through a different eye yes. than probably the two of us do because of how you've been trained? Yes. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I. I get that. Well, let me let me share this story then about video production and a boxing gym. We were doing a shoot in Detroit about a year ago, and we wrapped up at this boxing gym. It was sundown. And we're, it was the end of our long day, and we were in the, the front yard and sorting out all the gear between three different cars. And I was just oblivious. I was thinking about if we were going to make our flight or not. And one of the guys, who a local, came up to us, and they were like, uh, it was 640, I remember that. He was like, uh, how much longer do you think this is going to be? I was like, I bet we're out of here by 7. He's like, okay. This area is known for Kalishnikovs. So if we could get the $40,000 cameras off the lawn in front of everyone and start to... It's right. like 20 minutes sounds about right, but once it gets dark, we need to be the hell out of here. Yeah. And that was a moment where I was like, I had no awareness. I didn't think about it. I was thinking about my flight, the shoot, et cetera, et cetera. And I could have used more then. Just general common sense of your surroundings. Well, one day I'll tell you the abduction story where I was... Somebody tried to take me in China. Okay. So. Is that the one where you kicked? Yeah. yeah. That is so. for a future episode. Follow. Yeah. So. Todd. So thank you very much. Thank I you. Appreciate you guys. Just I've learned yeah. a ton. So Adam, that class that you guys just heard was your idea and I loved it. Um, it is something that's been on my mind ever since. And so I, I just want to start with a general question. What is it, you, you talked about this some on location, so don't get me wrong, but you've had a hard day at work. Why do you go to that class um, where tension and stress is more a part of working out than anything I've ever been a part in? Yeah. So I think, you know, I think my coworkers would tell you that, um, it's, you know, cause sometimes I talk about it as like, I'm glad to go to class and take out some frustration and it's not necessarily because I can go and hit a punching bag or, 
uh, or a person. Um, to me, it's almost, and this will sound weird, but it's almost meditative to me because it is so intense mm-hmm. that it's not like going to play a game of basketball where like you can take a playoff or if you jog down the court and you have a teammate who's shooting well, you can let him shoot it. Like this is a one-on-one competition, uh, or activity, uh, and you have to be focused or you might get hurt. Now, as you saw, uh, the guys in the class are great. Everyone's a really good training partner. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's an hour of the day where I can't really be thinking about work or, uh, the emails that I need to go answer when I get home. Cause that moment you really, your, your head needs to be, uh, completely focused on what you're doing. And that's what I like about it. When I get done, um, you just have some perspective so that that email or uh, client call that was bothering me um, an hour before really has disappeared. And I think people will talk about that from their workout and, and the release of endorphins. And, and I get that too. It is, it is the physical, but for me, it's really just that, that mental release and that shifting of your brain that yep. uh, gives me a lot of satisfaction. Being in the moment, focus, yeah. mental preparedness. These all sound like the qualities of some of our finest actors and actresses. Oh and, boy. and it is with that that I would like to uh, transition into more of a current events topic. This is the perfect week for Meryl Streep to go up at the Golden Globes and roast Donald Trump because we I can never get enough of that. So that that's one thing. But in her comments, she she had some things to say. She managed to work football and MMA into her speech, her lifetime, Louis, uh, the DeMille lifetime acceptance speech the other night. Let's take a listen. Yeah. And Dev Patel was born in Kenya, raised in London, and is here for playing an Indian raised in Tasmania. So Hollywood is crawling with outsiders and foreigners. And if we kick them all out, you'll have nothing to watch but football and mixed martial arts, which are not the arts. Okay, so that's a lot. Um, Well, it's not a lot. It was a short little line, but it had a lot of resonance. Adam, what do you have to say about Meryl Streep and the idea that football and MMA are not art? Uh, Well, first of all, football, last time I checked, still gets better TV ratings than almost anything, including her movies. And I don't mean that. I really don't mean that to insult her, but, uh, well, I'll say that what I saw, I'll say this in general about her comments, uh, and then I'll answer your question directly. Um, I think this shows, uh, that we all and myself included have certain bubbles that we live in Mm -hmm. and clear and clearly she is tone deaf in a way to think that maybe, some maybe her fan base isn't watching her movies as well as football and MMA. Like MMA, I could almost give her, but but football. Everyone um, watches football at this point. Yeah, so it just showed me that she is a little bit out of touch with what America is thinking. Um, on the other hand, I am someone who's done martial arts their whole life, and I get it is a 
in a sense, a gladiatorial sport, but Mm -hmm. the amount of skill, uh, the amount of concentration, the amount of physical conditioning, flexibility, endurance, um, all the preparation that goes to it, into it, it really is an art. Um, I like martial arts because there's hand to hand combat, but there's also, um, and, and some martial artists don't like this, but there's the other aspects of it. There's board breaking. There's what you would call kata, where you do a series of movements. There's weapons. Um, it certainly is an art that people have dedicated their lives to, yep. uh, and the same way that she's dedicated to acting. So to diminish it as uh, a redneck hobby that only Trump supporters vote for, I think is unfortunate. Well, but I think that's putting a lot of extra work. See, I had no problem with her saying that. Now, look, I understand what you're saying. But first of all, she's addressing she's addressing a major audience and she knows that. But she's also addressing a room full of actors. Yeah, so, she's pandering. He, there's a bit of that. And it's the actors in the Hollywood foreign press that are honoring her. But this is where, like, as someone who does – I love art and movies and books. We all do. I do – differentiate between the two. Now, what I enjoy about sports at this point in my life and in fandom is that I'm not such a fan that I have to watch every sporting event. I only want to watch ones that I think have a high probability of being good and by good, like competitive. And there is an aesthetic to all sports. And when they're played well, they can look artistic. Like I worked for the 2007 Patriots when yep. they were rolling, that looked beautiful. Like, I remember my wife watching a play once and just saying, like, wow, that looked awesome. You know? And it's just like, yeah, there was something about it that just looked, oh, spatially, that's how that should have gone. Like, I emailed you the other night. Like, I will watch Aaron Rodgers anytime he's playing football because what he does has elements of art. It's effortless and graceful and balletic. And the way he throws a ball is so much different than anyone I've ever seen where there's just, I mean, like the word effortless that I just used means without effort, but it looks like he can throw a ball 40 yards without effort. And it's bizarre. I've never seen anything like it. At the same time, like it does scratch different itches to me anyway. I would argue the sports are... I had no problem with her making that distinction there. Now, what it says from a politics and class issue, that's a whole different ball of wax. But aesthetically, I had no problem with that. So, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I still do. I just think that it's a divisive comment. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you do have a platform like – Okay, how many how many more times do we have to talk about who's wrong and who's right? The guy is going to be elected. I think people should continue to speak out about what he does. But um, her talk about violence, uh, I'm a big Obama fan, and guess what? There was war happening when he was in office, and mm-hmm. uh, I thought it, it was ironic too to to single out football and MMA. Um, to, for her to single out the sports world, I thought was interesting because I think that is one of the few areas in America where people from different backgrounds actually do come together. Right. So she or she is making what I thought was a rather defi- – uh, you know, I, I certainly 
respect her uh, right to to use that platform to say what she wants. But uh, very divisive comments, uh, mm-hmm. particularly about sports, which are to me the art and the beauty of sports are that it brings together people who would uh, probably not interact otherwise in life. And um, that to me is the the true beauty in sport. I actually really like what you said uh, there. And I, I the one part I will totally agree with you on is that to me, the, the including football and MMA was odd because it was such an aside. And it was like, look, in having these Trump comments, and I actually thought hers were very well done, very eloquent. There was a great New York Magazine piece on why her particular speech about and against Donald Trump was effective because by framing him as an actor, she could talk about him as a peer, not as this like demonic other, Um, you know, by framing what he did as a performance and things like that. I thought that was interesting and valid, but it was, it was odd to me that she basically was like, I know I'm going to say this and it's important for me to use this platform to say it. Oh, by the way, Football and MMA suck. Like (laughs) San Dimas high school football rules. I'm out. (laughs) You know, like um, that one, it just as an aside, it felt weird. Um, So, yeah, I I agree with some of what you're saying. I disagree with some of it. But, you know, that thus is good talk show fodder. Yeah, absolutely. So so there's one other thing. And this there's a story attached to this. Um. Joe Reed asked this at the end of our night in training and he asked it of Joel. It was, it was, the, it's been, a, I logged the tape the other day. That was Joel. We were with, right? Uh, we were with Todd, Todd, my Todd, my bad. It's been a couple weeks. Um, he asked this of Todd, but just that in doing this sort of training, is there more violence in your life? Oh and, yeah. And it's, it, that question stuck in my head ever since then we wrapped up, we went out to dinner the other night. I'm going home on the train and you know, it's like rush hour, New York city. And I'm on the a train heading South from 14th street. And all of a sudden I hear this guy start yelling like you fucking bitch. Why are you saying that to me? Just laying into this woman. And what had happened was he had made a comment about another woman on the train and this woman he was yelling at stepped in and told him, Hey, knock it off. Don't talk about her. And he did not care who heard him. He just, just ripped into her for two subway stops. And I guess at a certain point she decided she'd had enough and she went to exit the train. He was standing in front of the door. And as she walked out, he whipped his leg around and tried to trip her. And all of a sudden, I mean, that's that moment that Todd talked about where a confrontation goes from yelling, discomfort, things like that into physicality. And she turned around and punched him in the chest. And then he starts shoving her. And at that moment, I, this is God's honest truth. I got up. I got up from my seat. I stupidly carried my backpack. And I went up to the dude and just stood next to him. I, a couple inches taller. I just looked right in his eyes. I put my hand in between the two of them. She was out of the train. Like, I mean, she was it was time to let this go to a certain degree. Yeah. Yep. And I just said, let her go. And when she turned around to do it again, I was like, don't touch him. You're off the train. Just walk away. And 
it, as soon as I said it, I immediately going back to that training, I started thinking about all the things I had done wrong, the position I'd put myself in, what's my out? It's the subway door that's open right now. What happens when it closes? Why did I bring my bag? I only have one hand right now. I'm taller than this guy. I'm bigger than him. Don't look away. Lock eyes. Stay strong in this moment. Let her get away. Then we'll deal with it. If something happens, who on this train is going to help break it up or call for help? Like all those things went through my head. And I will say this, that there is violence in the world. And I'm glad that I at least had, I did things wrong, but I was glad that I at least had had a night to think about it because Mm -hmm. it comes back in a flash you know, so. Yeah, yeah, and you I think you hit it on the head. It's not about um, being violent. It's about being aware of your surroundings. And mm-hmm. um, I've done martial arts on and off since I was a kid. Um, I've been in one fight when I was 10 years old. I hope I <laughs> don't ever have to be in another fight. But mm-hmm. there are some realities for me. I live in Chicago. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Certainly a city of violence, not generally in the area I live in, but mm-hmm. uh, as you ex- experience in New York, there are some nights in the tra- on the train where you wonder if that guy looking at you is uh, eyeing you out for a particular reason. That's uh, one of two truly frightening events I've had happen on the train. The other one was far more frightening, and there was no physical contact whatsoever. It was just a guy later, much later at night, totally empty train, going nuts, and I was with my very recently pregnant wife and I was like, okay, if this guy comes by, I have to get between her and the guy and yeah, you size it up. Yeah. I'm also a half, half black, large man, (laughs) which you think would deter people. Um, But if you go to bars, they want to there. Let me tell you, there are always, there's always one guy with the Napoleon complex. If you bump into him, he he just he really wants to test himself against you mm-hmm. and i have no interest in that but you never know so that's not really why i do it i really do do it for the release and because i love um martial arts mm-hmm. um on the flip side um martial arts does attract some violent people i think that's why if it's something you choose to get into um you do have to pick the right school so if you look at um, domestic abuse rates in MMA, yep. they're, they're definitely higher than um, the average in society, but they're the highest in, in sports, or at least they had been for a long time. Um, I would put it like this. For every Mr. Miyagi, there's a Cobra Kai. Yep, so there you go. I've, been, I've been to a lot of schools where you, you ha- have an instructor or you have a couple guys in the class who are in it for the wrong reason. They didn't get into martial arts um, because they really respected the art and the training that goes into it and the the mental preparation. They want to hit somebody. Yeah. Um, and they may, especially uh, especially kids, they may have reasons for that. It may be an outlet, but I don't want any part of that. So yeah. um, you have to. It had, it's happened to me a couple of times in Chicago classes that I've gone and checked out and uh you can kind of tell like oh this isn't the right vibe like if i if i spar this guy he's probably going to try to hurt me yeah, that's yeah, really yeah. not the I- idea here i i don't want to hurt my training partner if that guy leaves and he can't come to class the next day because of me there's nothing empowering about that that's uh that's brutality but 
Um, if I land a good jab, mm-hmm. great. Do I want to hurt him? No. If we're doing ground stuff uh, and you lock in a submission, it's an awesome feeling to get someone to tap. It really yeah. is. I, I'm a competitive. So I, I like the the competitiveness of it, um, mm-hmm. the strategy behind it. Um, but uh, I guess, you know, my grandfather fought in World War II and he would never watch boxing because he thought it was just uh, a blood sport. I, I've never seen it like that. Yeah, there are some bad guys, but there's, all, you know, there's some good cops and there's bad cops. There's yeah, not every cop with a gun is looking to shoot a black guy. Yep. Um, and not every martial artist is looking to hurt uh, their girlfriend to really in, inflict damage. Uh, yeah. They don't, no one wants to send a guy to a hospital. So yeah, um, it, yeah it's interesting. I mean, we, I could talk about it forever um, because it certainly at face value seems like violence, but it ne- is never, it's really never felt that way. You know, I will say there are times where I'm hitting the bag where it just feels good to like to exert to that physical out. power, but it's a totally different feeling when there's a guy standing across from you. I've never and and you know on the flip side there are, there are a lot of guys in uh, professional fighting would be like you got to have that killer instinct. You got to be willing to when you knock a guy down to follow him to the ground and punch him until he's un- unconscious. <laughs> and, uh, boy, that's a, I, I could certainly see that it's a hard, hard mentality, but I think even a lot of fighters would say like, that's, that's not a violence thing. That's just a winning thing. So, um, yeah, I do think there's a lot of beauty in the sport. I know I have a lot of friends who I have debates with about, UFC and they're not interested in that because they think it's a redneck sport as well. But um, man, if you watch watch the U and this is not a I'm not cutting in a, a promo for UFC, but I do think no, we love what we love. I love it. I, I do think it's uh, some of the most gifted athletes you'll ever see. Like where what other sport are you going to see that combination of power and endurance, power endurance flexibility um like the smarts you have to have to to fight someone in a octagon that's locked behind you mm-hmm. um i'm not saying all of, every mm fighter is a road scholar either but it is is a certain there is a certain uh intelligence to fighting uh, it's pretty brilliant to watch especially if you once you know what you're watching um and as i've gotten into this martial art more and understood more about position, particularly on the ground. Uh, and when I watch it with a guy like Todd and Joel, and they'll point out certain things. Mm-hmm. It, it's really cool, Gareth. It's like it's the same way you watch football, knowing what you know about football. Um, and I, ex- I experienced this as well, and I, but I'm sure you've experienced this, like knowing what you know about football. Um, when you're watching a game, you're not just watching Tom Brady hike the ball. You're you're watching what happens on the offensive line. Um, you're you're like you're looking to see if that safety is cheating. Yeah, up. you you get the sport in a way. Look, it, yeah, it's like it's anything just, else. The more you learn about it, the more yeah. it rewards that. So yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, we all. It, I, I I really love and respect martial arts. Do I think there's some bad guys? in the sport? Do I think there's some guys who go in cause they're looking, uh, to get into bar fights? 
Mm-hmm. Of course I do, but um, I know I want no no part of that. I hope I never have to use it. Uh, my first de- defense for we you know we do gun disarm. My mm-hmm. first defense is here's my wallet. But <laughs> if you're, uh, but if you're in a situation where that's unavoidable, what do you do? Well, I know what to do. I'm not looking. I'm not looking to use it, um, mm-hmm. but I can. It's funny to to your point, and Meryl Streep did manage to insult the only sport I know of that includes the word art in its name. The name itself it <laughs> yeah. says arts. So, what are you going to do? Not, not only that, and I'm 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 parroting what I've heard other people say about it mm-hmm. on this point, but um, it's not like particularly mixed martial arts. It's not a bunch of rednecks fighting in a cage. It's truly a global sport. Uh, Brazilians, Asians. Oh, totally. uh, Totally. I mean, it is truly a global and inclusive sport. Um, People from all different kinds of backgrounds. So I I thought that was a bit interesting. I got the impression that I don't want to, again, and I'm not looking to be divisive here, but I got the impression that she thought it was a bunch of rednecks with mohawks and bad tattoos. And uh, there certainly are some in yeah, the sport. There, there's there a lot even of more, bad tattoos. There are even more in the audience. But, um, like, it's amazing. When I go and watch a fight, the diverse group of friends I watch the fight with, yep. um, I don't have that group of friends for football. Uh, for basketball, for any other sport, but it's interesting. If you look like the the Floyd Mayweather Pacquiao fight, mm-hmm. the house I was at, most diverse sports crowd I've ever seen. Yep. Uh, so it's just it's just interesting to me. I do think the fight game brings a lot of different types of people together, and uh, I find it pretty fascinating. Yeah. All right. Um, that is our show for the night. That is that was a fun one to do. Uh, it was fun to get out in the field and do something. Um, Adam, any shout outs? Uh, I should probably do my usual shout outs, huh? Well, we've got Todd and Joel. Um, yeah. So and- first of all, Todd and Joel Burroughs at First Step Fitness. Thank you for letting us disrupt your class um <laughs> but if not you guys cool, like, want to check out way. a class so. check out firststepfitness.net um or feel free to send just not sports a message uh i would be more than i and i have i'd be more than glad to bring even if i even if we've never met i've invited uber drivers to class um i really believe that what these guys are doing and the way they teach it um, is the best the best I've ever seen. So come on in. Amy, hold on. Could you turn that off, please? Sorry. Um, this sucks. You're gonna have to do that again. No, that's okay. You want uh, to do it again? Yeah. So, uh, all right. So that was our show for the night. It was a fun one to do. Uh, it was great to get out in the field. And so we will wrap it up with some shout outs. Adam, who you got? Yeah, so let me first shout out and thank uh, Todd and Joel Burroughs, the co-owners of First Step Fitness um, and and the guys who run our Hagadah program. Um, Thanks for letting us disrupt class and thank you guys for 
all the instruction over the last few years. I know I don't get in as often as I can, but I do get so much out of it when I when I do come in. And uh, to those of you who are looking to to check it out, um, this uh, this is certainly an, an endorsement to uh, check out any kind of martial art you might be interested. In. But if you guys want to come into uh, check out a class. You can check out firststepfitness.net or just uh, send me an email, uh, a tweet, um, leave a message on our Facebook wall. Anyone in Chicago, I'd be happy to bring you in for a class. I've done it with other friends. Uh, you will learn something about yourself, I promise, even if you come in for one hour. So, um, yeah, I, I will say this when I touched down in Chicago, I did not expect to end up there and I'm glad I did. And as Adam just said, and as you heard, I learned a lot. It's not just a physical activity. There is some, dare I say art and certainly some intellect to it. Um, yeah. My shout out is to Xmas Ape. The holidays may be over, but they never end on Just Not Sports. Thank you to Mike Tunison at Xmas Ape on Twitter for coming on and talking about moving. Uh, and I will back up Adam's thank you to Todd and Joel and First Step Fitness. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Adam, you got any more shout outs? Uh, I sure do. Uh, as usual, I want to shout out my boy Uzi. Love that guy. Def Jeff. Def Jeff, two-time guest. Little Swanee. Yeah. Meech. Boop, boop. Ron Mack. Ron Mack. And my other cousin, Ron. Love that. Booty rappers. Stay, Stay booty. booty. Stay booty, Adam. Till next week. All right, we out. Peace.